0: Welcome back to the Woman of the Wise podcast. I'm Sammy and this is
1: Allison.
0: And we are joined today by Maggie DeBusk, and she has been a teacher for 21 years. We had the beautiful honor of meeting her about in July time June it's been so nice to have someone doing this journey with me that's also a teacher (laughs) I've been teaching for 13 years myself I was a public school teacher for nine years and um, just having someone else there who's seeing the same things as I am who's noticing what I'm noticing has been beautiful and wonderful just want to talk to her a little bit today about what she's noticed being a teacher for these many years how things have shifted. What's what's kind of broken with the system. What things she'd like to see changed, and um, move from there. But to start off, Maggie.
2: Wow. Oh, let me just tell you, it is. Wow, well, I'm crazy. Everybody, put your hands up in the air and let it go. I, well, one thing I should say is uh, I was this has been part of my life for a very long time. I noticed that I always call them bells and whistles ever since I was a little girl. It wasn't fostered as I was growing up because that was a big no-no based on the generational. It wasn't until a big loss in the family, we lost our our matriarch our mother when she passed, I was highly motivated to seek out what I did not know. I came upon Some lovely ladies on a very nice sunny day, Um, they were visiting my sister, and that was the tipping point. I just said hello, and I went, holy cow, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, do not keep your arms inside the the ride. That That was the starting point, then I was invited to go to find your path. And that was actually, I think maybe like a week later, I want to say a week yeah. or two later after that, that changed my life. That was a life changer. I went in there not knowing what to expect and I walked out a totally different woman. It was like I was looking for something my whole life. And when I met all these wonderful people in to see them embrace their skills and to be able to show that it was true love. It was just, Oh, you were, you were one of us. Welcome home. It was like this welcome home feeling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, loved every second of it. I, I will never forget that weekend. That was the most powerful weekend I have ever encountered. I mean, that rights up there with me giving birth to my children. Ah. So that's a, that's a high ranking Whew. Um, I met so many different people with so many different talents, and then I was like, "Oh, I want to do that," and oh, I want to. Wait a minute, I think I can do that. <laughs> so there was a lot of like, "Oh, by the way, you've been doing this your whole life, and this is what it's called, and this is how we can get you to do it, and this is how you can make yourself better." And and that's what I found throughout this whole journey so far. Is you know, after talking to everybody, well, you. You've already been doing it, but you just never called it that. (laughs) Whoa. For me, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it makes me happy. Uh, I am truly happy. There's a lot of frustration, but I'm I'm learning how to handle frustration. What I love most about it is how it ties in with education, me being a teacher right now. And when I say right now, that teaching is going to start changing and looking a different way. Yeah. And I'm excited about that journey. As you said before, I've been a teacher for 21 years. I started out teaching kindergarten and I taught kindergarten for eight years. When I first started teaching kindergarten, they had the kitchen set up, they had all the play, you know, they had little cars that you could ride in. Um, we had a little kitchen attached to our classroom. We would spend so much time, like one would be a unit on apples and we would go to an apple orchard. We would learn the process of, you know, how do they pick the apples? And, and then um, when we would take the apples that we picked and we would come back and we would count them. We would color them. We would use patterns. We would use them in a story, everything, and every, anything and everything we would use. Um, we actually even found, uh, my mom had given me a apple grinder. Yes. So we made applesauce and apple cider. And then we made apple pies. So it was completely hands-on. And I'd say about four years into it, after uh, four out of eight years, they asked, I'll never forget the day they asked me to remove the playset. set. There was not room in the classroom for a playset. set. And I knew that play is what kindergartners need. That's how they are. That's how they learn to be social. That's how they problem solve. That's how they figure out how to communicate and work, you know, work problems out. So when they started taking that away and they wanted me to test these little bitty kids, I was like, oh, no. And it just has spiraled from down there. I went, I've taught all grades, K through six. And every time I get in there, it's since my experience with my first couple of years in kindergarten, it's always been, I'm sorry, we're not teaching to the test. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We are based on their test scores. So that it's just been a downhill slide.
1: You've come along now, you've been teaching, you've had this beautiful awakening, you had some experiences as find your path, and then you found meditation. And sound healing and Reiki. So can you talk a little bit about those experiences and how they've not only changed your own personal life, but how they've integrated into, into your, all of your life, all of the kids and everything and what it's done. And, and maybe even include those little test scores at the end too, for those who are data driven.
2: (laughs) At one of our, one of our many many meetings our get-togethers and that's the other thing i love about this group is that we get together our get-togethers are just so much fun just the camaraderie um the food don't forget the food just the time hanging out together and sharing our experiences and meeting so many other like-minded people and it's just it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful and one of these um, times and it was right before the school year for this year so this year I'm teaching sixth grade this year I had decided that meditation for me was going to be my my thing so as a teacher they kind of every year you kind of come up where you're going to what is the one thing new that you're going to do for the school year it's kind of one thing they'd like you to do I knew exactly what it was going to be I was like hands down meditation I didn't know if I was going to get away with it, but I was going to try it. (laughs) If you back up just a little bit, my life has been full of anxiety. I've had so many issues with mental health myself. Trying to get support for mental health is really hard. They want to push medicine. And unfortunately, medicine has so many side effects depending on what it is. Being able to talk to certain people is really hard. Uh, Don't forget the insurance. Can you be able to get in to see somebody? Is there availability? Before COVID, it was already hard. But then after COVID, it was darn impossible because it skyrocketed. Meditation is how I found a way to, to silence the anxiety within me. So I knew for a fact it worked. I knew for a fact that if I could do that with myself, then I knew that I could do that with others. That was the reason why I chose to try meditation with my sixth graders. Now, this was not my first year with sixth graders. I've had them before. And last year, holy moly, behaviors off the charts. We're talking write ups, suspensions, students throwing chairs. One time I thought I was going to be stabbed by another student. It was a risk. You didn't know what you were going to get into. And on top of that, my anxiety went off the charts. So it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. My mental health was going down the toilet because. I didn't have any administrative help. I didn't have help or aides in the classroom. It was me and close to, I had 28 students. And some of these students are taller than me and I'm almost six foot. Meditation was a way that I managed to cope with that. This year, meditation is going to be my thing. And and I talked to Allison and I talked to Sammy and, and we talked about different ways and this is how I'm going to try to do it. I slowly, um, every day, I did a five-minute morning uh, meditation. It was a guided meditation. It was slow. Some of the kids responded. Some of the kids did not, but I left it as a free choice. I said, the only thing I want you to do is respect the boundaries of other people. Every day would go by, and one time, something happened, and I didn't get to it in the morning. I'm not kidding you. I had like 15 to 20 kids going, when are we going to do our meditation? <laughs> we forgot to do the meditation. I was like, okay, hold on a minute. <laughs> so every day, every morning, we do at a least a five minute meditation. It started out with guided meditation. Now it's moved into looking at the different hurts, the different vibrations. That's cool. Love that. They love that. They love that way more than the guided meditation. And I'm looking at, I'm switching into doing um, the almost a transcendental meditation. Yep. And if for those who don't know what transcendental meditation is, that's just basically where you focus on a mantra and you can give them their mantra, what they want to focus on, or it's their intention. And I'm already driving them on an intention or what's the experience that they want for the day. How do they want to experience that? And they are absolutely Loving it. Now, as I said before, some of the students last year, behaviors off the charts. This time, my room is quiet. It is peaceful. Not saying that there's not any behaviors. Oh, there are. But the difference between last year and this year is the severity of them. Yeah. The amount of them. And the fact that that they are learning how to self-regulate themselves. They are seeing those signs. And I feel as a sixth grade teacher, because they're going to be moving into the middle school next year, I feel as a sixth grade teacher, it's my job to teach them how to handle themselves. Mm -hmm. Because when they get to the middle school, it's going to be little fish in a big shark pond, you know, it's going to be big. And if they can learn how to you know, self-soothe and recognize and be mindful of themselves, you know, hey, I'm feeling this way, then I probably should do this. These are the skills that I want to teach them for the rest of their life. Because when yeah. they leave school, you know, they're going to be on their own and they need to know how to take care of themselves. So that's, that's my ultimate goal is to teach them strategies that should they feel like they're in a certain situation, then they know how to handle it so that they don't overflow, they don't feel out of control, and hopefully they never get to that point because they've already figured out how to calm themselves down.
0: It's amazing to me because my last year in the classroom, I was teaching sixth grade. We actually had a school-wide initiative to do meditation. We, we, we got little books and little like songs and music we needed to play, and we even got like little like sound bowls and and all these beautiful things to do with our kids and I loved it I was so excited and I was so ready and I when I was teaching in this sixth grade room I was the English teacher and they all switched rooms each subject so they were with one teacher for math one teacher for science and social studies and then me for language arts we were all supposed to do it at the beginning of our switches even when they went to specials they were supposed to start out with a little minute it was like The one consistent thing we were supposed to do as a school and then all the kids could expect that and rely on that. And like we were, you know, we, I taught in a really low income school that year. So it was important to create some kind of stability for the kids. That was kind of like the district wide push. I loved it. I did it. But the, the problem for me for that was that none of my coworkers took it seriously. So like, The science and social studies teacher would do it, but she would mock it the whole time and be like, we have to do this stupid district wide thing. And then they go to math and he'd do it, but he really wasn't into it. So he was just like playing. He was just like shutting off the lights, playing the music and the meditation and then just like turning on like just to say that he could like check it off his to do list, basically, which I understand because as a teacher, they're throwing you eight million initiatives that you're supposed to implement every year. And it just gets so overwhelming. And by the time the kids would come to me, they would be like, I don't understand Miss B why you care about doing this thing. And then you have the kids who are so afraid to just keep their eyes closed or their head down or be in a darkened space by the time they get to you in sixth grade that just it's like, that's not a safe thing for them to do, right? In their own homes. We would just make this rule of like, like you said, like, You know, you don't have to participate in the meditation. You have to close your eyes. You don't have to put your head down. You don't have to do any of that. Just stay silent. And then I would have some kids that once the lights went off and everyone got quiet, they would just lose their mind because it was such a stark, right? They felt like you were forcing them into, because once you get quiet, you have to think your thoughts, right? You have to experience your experiences. And from a, for a kid that comes from such a traumatic background they really can't stop. They're, they keep themselves sensory overloaded because to stop and think about what's going on is like something they don't want to face, right? So then I would have to have these kids, like some kids would just go out into the hallway for that part of it. So I love that it's actually working for your classroom. Because I was so excited my last year because they gave me this beautiful tool. And I was like, we're finally talking about their social, emotional wellness and understanding how important it is in education. And then it was like, a complete catastrophe, and then all the other teachers, the older teachers that were in the building, were like, "See, told you these initiatives never work." Well, oh <laughs> yeah, get it, friend. It's
1: not gonna work, like right, yeah.
0: adult. And but, but yeah. I mean, for that adult, I think she and a lot of the other adults, they didn't want to sit quietly with their thoughts either. Right. It's like a whole. It's like right. A- they weren't. They weren't emotionally evolved enough to be able to teach that.
2: It was interesting for sure. I read some research on on that as far as like. The effectiveness of it because they did a they did research on it to see if meditation would actually work and it was it was out of uh, West Virginia University and when they did the research they were looking at three things they were looking at the emotional regulation part of it they were um, they were looking to see um, the effectiveness of it and then would it help overall with like behaviors and stuff like yeah. that the one thing that they found with their results was that the people that were teaching it depended on who was teaching it. It changed the variables. Yeah. Um, so they could not really get a good read because the teacher or the instructor, and it like I said, it could not have been a teacher. It could have been like the instructor, the gym teacher required to do it. <laughs> it totally skewed the results. But they did, in fact, even with that mess up, they did see that there was a stronger growth in the positive overall. But again, the variables were kind of skewed because because they didn't really have a um, reliable instructor, um, somebody who was passionate about it, somebody who would go through and teach it properly. And I think that's probably a reason why You know, yours didn't go as well. Had there been like, you know, seven Sammies, that would have totally rocked. You know, (laughs) my benefit is, is I'm the one in charge. I'm their only teacher. They get it from me and they get it from me the way I teach it regardless. So I can compare that. I can totally compare their behaviors and their choices from last year to this year. It's a totally different environment. That's one thing I just absolutely love about it. Their experiences. I got, I have to share this one. Their experiences after they do a meditation. We always have a thing, and I'll um, I'll say, how do we feel about this one? Since we're playing with the hurts, so we had a conversation about the different number of hurts. What did they mean? You know, um, you tie it in with science. You have to tie it in that, with you know. Right. Yeah, it has to be proven. Right. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that comes in that you know that they discover on their own. My my favorite is when they share that they're like they're Mrs. D. I was floating or I felt like the earth was spinning or I almost fell asleep and I don't hardly ever do that. Or, you know, I just felt so much calmer. Or like, I couldn't stand that one. That was way too loud. That hurt my ears. I couldn't focus. So we talked about how different frequencies, you know, how we're different people and we have different frequencies that we like. And and they're like, oh, I like this one. Well, my favorite is is that they'll say, I went home and I tried this. And then another one say, My baby brother was upset, so I helped him with this through meditation. I had a little boy who unfortunately lost his dog over the weekend. And he was in really, he was sad. He goes, Miss D, I put that vibrational on. (laughs) He says, I felt so much better after that, but I still miss my dog. (laughs) So they're learning how to self-soothe themselves. And I think it's great. Now, I actually had a conversation with a parent. Of one of my students who absolutely loves to do it. They are kind of mixed about it. He he loves it. Now he's had a lot of problems. He is super anxious, loves doing the meditation. He's not very vocal about a lot of things, but you know, nine times out of ten, he's crying when he comes in because he has some issues. Yeah. But he loves to do the meditation. Well, he told his mom we had to have a parent meeting, he had an IEP. We had a meeting, and he goes, you know. When he gets really upset, he'll go in there and do that meditation thing. Really? Yeah, we had to like make him like this, you know, the seating in his room. He had to have like a pillow. He has a, you know, he has a little area so he can do his, she goes, meditation. The quote marks everything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I said, well, is it working for him? And she goes, well, it seems to be working for him. <laughs> and I said, well. I'd say, leave it alone, <laughs> you know, let him keep, you know, if he's figuring out how to calm himself down, I say, it's a win. I said, well, if you would like to understand meditation more, you know, I would be glad to talk to you about it. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, so far, the kids are responding. I do have some positive parent support. At this point, I haven't had any negative. There's nothing negative about it. Right.
1: Sometimes it's just scary, though, isn't it? I think Sammy has talked about that
2: before.
0: Yeah, what kind of environment are your kids from? A rural community? Are they from a more
2: urban community? Are they from a suburban community? Oh, we are country. We are back country. We're surrounded by cornfields. And there's school-wide, we have about 200 kids. Mm -hmm. We're smaller, and we have one counselor.
0: I've taught in all three different settings. I've taught in urban, suburban, and um, rural. Um, different towns and there are challenges to all of them and there are positives to all of them definitely but Um, I do notice the one thing like (laughs) my my famous moment was when I was teaching in a more rural area and we were doing ancient Greece and we were doing a wax museum so each of the kids took a different god or goddess and they were going to do a wax museum where they like stood there stiff and people push a button and they would like come to life and say their little bit then they'd go back and freeze Um, And I had a mom call me and say, you know, we we ain't be doing that Greek stuff. And I said, okay. And I said, what's, you know, what's going on? She said, there ain't no God, but Jesus Christ, the Savior and our Lord. And I said, okay. I said, yeah. I said, no, I'm not really teaching them a religion. We're just talking about like an ancient religion and what they believed. And I said, I would love to have her do like an ancient city. Like she could do Athens, something like that. Instead of a person, you know, let's not make it religious. She goes, no, just give her the zero. I was
2: like, all right. Whoa.
0: (laughs) So from that moment on, that child was not allowed to be in my classroom to learn about ancient Greece because mom was concerned that it would conflict with her Bible teachings. And so and it was really even more interesting because I asked little girls, like, do you guys go to church? She's like, what's church? <laughs> I <was> like, okay. <laughs> so, oh, there's so much to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed, depending on where you're teaching and, and like what kids you come across, there's different opinions yeah. there that as a teacher, you know, people want to make a lot of things a religious thing that are maybe not religious.
1: Yeah, there is a big, there is a big thing. And a lot of people are scared of meditation or Reiki or any of that because they think that it's religious based and it's not like meditation is literally breathing and like being, being still in the way that you can be still now, like I can't always be still in meditation. Sometimes I have to swim. In the water, and that's my meditation. It's really kind of like taking that fear of perceived indoctrination of other ideas and like the way of life. And you're just like, No, I just, I'm just trying to teach your kid how to breathe, man. <laughs> like, just, just so they can, yeah, stress about their multiplication test they have to take in five minutes and to have it all of that. And so. Um, it's so good to hear that you've really had a, a positive, a more positive um experience with it. I know in my in my child's uh, elementary school, um, one of my friends, she practices um Qigong and her her kid like watched her do it and then was like, showed some other kid in school how to do it. And the principal's like, We need to do this in school. Do you also do meditation? She's like, I didn't even know he's like watching me. And I was like, I, you know, I really do feel there's as you as a way shower. Um, you know, obviously both of you and, and, you know, the kids are really la- there. Like you said, there's only one counselor, I think you said for 250 students on average. And they, I mean, I know like trying to get a therapist, I mean, even as an adult, part of, you can do the online stuff, I guess, but like for kids, it's like crazy. Like some of my, some of these had like six month waiting lists and stuff again, especially because mm-hmm. of COVID. And something we talked about offline was how like COVID really, the, the kids, the littles, like the kindergartens and first graders and second graders, had they learned to school? And they lost all of that, that time, and there's just nothing um, really out there. So I, you know, I just really love so much how you both have really stretched the limitations of society's ability to like do stuff in school and put it in there. And Are you finding, Maggie, that people are interested enough to do like an after-school program or like do you have plans on expanding that out? And if so, can we get on board and help you? And what are you doing (laughs) with that? And when is your next date? Thanks. Tell us everything.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. This is something that I've been talking about for a while. Um, Unfortunately, some other events have kind of stepped in the way of my scheduling, but Um, that's my ultimate goal is one to continue for the rest of the school year with the meditation to teach them many many different ways of meditation um, because there's more than one way as you just said and it doesn't have to be in that lotus position it doesn't have to be you don't have to go to church to pray. You can do it anywhere you need to. You if you need to sit in your car and breathe, then sit in your car and breathe. If you need to go in the bathroom, put your sit on the floor with your head upon your knees to breathe, then then that's what works for you. And any any there's no wrong way to do it. As long as you learn how to to recognize that, which would be the mindfulness. With the mindfulness, you know, you throw in the meditation, then you can throw in also yoga. And all three of those works on that mental health Um, because that's what mindfulness is, is just being aware of your triggers, being aware of, you know, where you're at in your body. Do you feel the anger? Do you feel the sadness? You know, and then once you recognize in your body aware, then, okay, step number two, let's calm ourselves down. And there are two different ways that you can do that or 50 different ways you can do that. Um, So Taking it out of school is my next step because it's not always going to happen at school. And showing them that it can happen in an outside setting, being able to dig in deeper more than having like a school guideline, Um, being able to have a little bit more flexibility with some different opinions, different experiences with that. I do have, as you said before, I do have singing bowls. I'm not taking the whole set in because you know <laughs> they're really expensive, and 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 so I do have I do have one bowl that I have with me, and yeah. I do I do sing it uh, for transitional times. They like that. Um, that's at 432 hertz. So 432 hertz is usually nature's hertz. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like the waterfalls or you know, outside nature, that's what that was, is 432 hertz. So I, I do introduce that. So on the outside, um, which I would like to do maybe like a, maybe a meditation club for just some kids who not who were not in my class, you know, who's not in sixth grade. I want to see a kindergartner come on down. I want to see a second grader and a third grader come on down. I want them to just come, come do Mrs. D's meditation I don't have that picture on me, but uh, you saw that picture I shared with you. <laughs> one of my students threw a picture of me and had Mrs. D's meditations. And uh, I would love that. And and then my next step would be to step out and then go community-wide, you know, allow parents to come in and join. Even that in the after school one, instead of them waiting in their car and pick their kid up, come on in, you know, sit down with us learn about being mindful and all yeah. this stuff. Then I would bring out the big dogs. As I say, I'd be bringing up the singing bowls and that leads into of course, Reiki, which yeah. again is something that um, again helps us all.
1: Yeah. Foundational tools for self healing, man.
2: I just, I just kind of wish that I actually had a really cool teacher like myself. <laughs> I wish that I would have had myself um, when I was a kid. I wish I would have, learn these strategies and so that I wouldn't have had to stumble through the dark, through the fear, through the unknown of what the world was going on with me whenever my anxiety was up, when I had a panic attack or whenever I was feeling something, I really wish I would have had those strategies. And that's what I'm hoping that with anxiety and depression on the rise, with COVID, post-COVID there's so many kids out there. I mean, suicide is crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. I read somewhere that um, 60% of teens with depression at this point in time do not get treatment for it yeah. because, because there's one. not any treatment. Yeah. There's not counselors. There's nothing for it. And then that ends up suicide, unfortunately. So that's what my my take is. is I want to teach them the skills and the strategies so that When they get into a super, super, super stressful environment like middle school and high school, that they know how to handle themselves.
0: I don't know if you've noticed this, but something that I kind of noticed throughout my time was... I could do a really good job of getting them calm and getting them into like this beautiful state of like stability and predictable scheduling and all of those things. And we would be really good. And I would see the behaviors decrease and I would see them opening up more and being more vulnerable and sharing and and learning and and reaching out to others. And then they'd go home for the weekend and they wouldn't have food sometimes and they wouldn't have sleep sometimes and they would be taking care of little siblings sometimes it would just be like an immediate jostling to their their regulatory system to their what is that called it's like the hypothalamus that regulates all of your like emotional responses right and so that's like so overworked and then I would see them again on Monday and it was like okay and we're starting all over again from square maybe two this time but and it's maybe September, and the, you know, here we go. And then we would go yes. again. And, and that's one of my big things when I left teaching. And then I spent like one or one and a half, two years kind of being like, who am I? What am I doing? Because um, teaching is like an 80 to 100 hour a week job. If you're doing it to meet all the needs of all of your students, it's a lot of work for those of us who are doing it. And like, you know, like the older teachers were saying about, you know, there's so many initiatives, they just toss on your plate and say, Go. I was like, I've got to do something to help with that ancestral karma, with the stuff going, like, I've got to work with families as a whole. So I love that you're saying, like, have the parents come in and have the parents watch the children modeling this emotional regulation, because a lot of times you learn how to communicate through your families, right? You learn how to be angry through how your mom and dad are angry. You learn how to create communicate those feelings through how your mom and dad are communicating those feelings. My mega dream is just owning this space where families can come and have like a family night, you know, a couple times a week and it's just pre-planned for them and they just show up and they get all of these beautiful little nuggets, right? As a whole community space. I don't know if you've noticed anything similar in your world um, with your kids again.
2: that's, um, (laughs) That's been around for a long time that really has. Um, it even goes back to before I was teaching, I used to um, take care of one of my cousins and his mom and dad were divorced. Whenever dad, I would have him for like a full week and then he would spend the weekends with his dad. When I got him back on Monday, it was like, what the heck happened? Like he lost his ever loving mind. And I'm like, oh, so I've noticed that with students as well. And it's, it's just because they're, they're having so many responsibilities at home yeah. and hitting that trauma button. They're hungry. They're cold. There's nobody there. They've been, they're alone. They're taking care of themselves. Yeah. They come back and it just um, you're like, Whoa, where did that come from?
0: Yeah, But
2: I, at this point in time, <laughs> after all these years of teaching, it's like, I can pick them out pretty quick and I usually head them off right at the door. I have that private conversation with them and I said, I know, I know that you didn't need this weekend. Let's take care of that right now. I know something happened this weekend. Let's take care of that right now. And I don't want them sitting in it. You know, it's just like having an accident in your pants and having to sit in it all day. That's that's not cool. You know, you need to be able to dress it and get it taken care of. You have Damn. a cot in
0: your closet for one kid. You have you have a snack drawer in your desk for another kid. It's like you learn, right? You learn like, mm-hmm. okay, well, Timmy is going to need to eat and sleep for the first 30 minutes of the day. And then this kid over here is going to need new socks when they come in for the weekend because no one's changed their socks. Something yeah. that needs
1: to be addressed, you guys. I think, and this is just what I'm hearing from teachers overall. Like, not only are you not getting paid, which is crazy to me on any, like, I, they just raised the taxes here for help pay for the schools. And then people rioted. And I was like, you're paying an extra dollar thirty eight a month. Not only that, like the nurses aren't there anymore. The counselors aren't there anymore. They don't get recess at their home. Some of them, even as young as 14 are going to work already. They just changed that in the state. You don't even have to have them um, at 16. You don't even need a student. You can work 40 hours here in Indiana. So kids are working to help pay for stuff. I just want to like put this out here for everyone who's listening. Teachers do so much more that whatever you think they're you're, they're doing, multiply that by like a hundred. You have no idea. Like I'm, I'm almost wondering if there's a way that we can start up some kind of network or any way that we have for just to help, man. Like I don't even know what really that means, but like snacks and 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 little stuff. I know that like, they do it at our school, but there's gotta be a way that we can all come together, like. There's obviously something wrong in with the systems. We figured that out, right? You both have been teaching for tons of years. And like I've heard so many teachers say, like, well, no one's gonna make as much money as me. And if I had to start now, I wouldn't do it. I know in California, if they don't teach for if they like they have to sign something and for four years, and if they don't do the teachings in underfunded schools, they have to pay back all their money plus their mentors' loan money. Like there's like crazy stuff out there. And I think it's really unfair that as a society, we're so broken and tired that we can't help the teachers teach our children who, by the way, guys will not know how to teach and take care of us when we get old. If we don't help them now learn how to not only take care of themselves, but emotionally regulate and like not be burned out by the time we're 18. I talked to the teenagers here and they're like, I don't even care about schools. Like the least thing worry on my mind right now from helping my brothers and sisters and working. And I'm just like, holy cow.
0: My sister experiences that she teaches in Indianapolis. She's a high school teacher. FedEx will hire them at like 50 K a year. So a lot of her kids just drop out straight at like 15, 16 and go do that. And then she'll see them like two years later after they've been fired back at school, trying to finish up their high school degree. It's just, they got to do it right. They've got to feed their families. And that's, what they have to do. It's very like 1920s. Yeah, <laughs> <right weird. now. laughs>
1: yeah. so we're starting here for our own who's listening. We're going to start these clubs and programs. So if you want to get involved, start connecting with us, we can do it. We figured out how to do stuff. We've, we've got resources. We know people in the communities, teachers can get together, like getting the parents involved. I'm not putting this on the teacher's parents. You got to do stuff too. I'm so sorry you had kids i know it's really hard man i know it's so hard i were I, I we my oldest he went to um like an alternative school where the parents um as part of like the tuition to keep help t- tuition stay low that they were supposed to volunteer and help clean the school and stuff nobody ever did it i'd go in and i'd be like i know it's the last person clean his kitchen and now i'm gonna lose my mind because children are eating in here that kind of stuff right like it's, it's It takes all of us. It takes every single one of us. And people who don't have kids, like, I get it. But do you want to live in a society full of stupid, helpless people as adults? Because those kids grow up. (laughs) Like, I just put it out there. Like, it's worth investing into our future, you know. Indigenous people of the world, they understood you invest in the seventh generation, right? Seven generations you want to prepare for. So when they look back seven generations, like, what? Do you even know seven generations behind you? I don't. Right. I know I'm, I'm pretty sure my people were living not here in this land. There's so much that we can do. We have so many possibilities. So
0: I think parents are overwhelmed too. I think they're working two to three jobs and trying yeah. to go to school to get a degree so they could get a better job. And um, like even when I worked in really low income schools, there were parents there still. They weren't not doing things for their kids, just like, cause they didn't want to, they were like two parents who were working three jobs. So it was yes, like, sometimes there's the, the brother and sister
1: live there and working too. There's, yeah. Our system is wrong, but we can do, we have the power to do small things, mm-hmm. however teeny tiny they are to make a difference. It's going to be hard because we're all straps right now. And if we stay, if we stay apart and if we keep, not talking about this and not trying to to do stuff, or at least, you know, making the wild attempt to try to figure it out. We're always, we're never going to figure out the solution. And so there are some of us that have more time or more money or more resources or whatever. And it's really time for us to start talking and getting together because the future is now, man, the past is now, everything is happening right now. It's been a really unfair time for all of us, but you know, those of us who are adults, we have so much power and in, in just how we operate and to be able to support and I'm going off on a tangent but like it makes me crazy because I see so many I see so many I everyone is suffering on on we all are in our own levels right and yes we've got gratitude and there's all these beautiful amazing things that are happening and we're working there's tools and like it, it is but like there is so much that we can do and we can teach the kids that doesn't cost any money I've learned you know like Sammy, you know, we do tutoring and I've learned, and Sammy said this to me forever. You know, she's, she, how long? I don't know how many years have been tutoring forever, right? But the teacher know this. It's not even sometimes about the material. It's just about spending time.
2: Yeah, it's about building those relationships. Um, that's one of my favorite things about teaching is, is building the relationships with the students is because a lot of them don't have anybody to communicate with uh, outside of school. One of my favorite things to do is, is I always have like an open discussion you know, we talk about how we need to communicate with each other the right way to do it, but we can still have the open communication. One, I, I still have this letter um, probably, I'm going to say five, six years ago, out of the blue. And this is when I was thinking about quitting teaching. And Every year, I think I'm going to quit teaching, yeah. to be honest. Every year, I'm like, this is it. This is it. I'm, t- I'm totally done. And then I get a little message, little angel that says, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And that right there says, oh, okay, one more year, <laughs> then there'll be another one. But it, it just comes down to the communication and the relationships that you make with your students. It's yeah. the same thing with your own children. I'm a mother of four. And then I go home, then I go to school and I spend it all day with 23. And then I come back to my own children. And it's it's all about those relationships and, and taking that time just to be with them, sitting and just listening to them. I, I have a 16-year-old daughter who has taught me so much this year. Unbelievable amount of knowledge that I've had to do to adjust myself in order to help her. I'll never forget that. And that information that my daughter taught me, I will be able to use in another situation yeah. where I will be able mm-hmm. to guide a, a parent in that situation. I just, I just think it's beautiful when a community can come together. If you want to ask me, hands down, my biggest dream, my utopia of all. Yes. Kids. What's your
1: utopia dream?
2: <clears throat> my utopia would be community driven schools yes. okay community driven schools the reason why is because so many people in the community you can learn trades off of the people in the community you can learn how to get food from the people in the community you can learn everything that you need in order to survive from the community go today's education sucks Okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. Today's education sucks. I am so bored at some of the stuff that I have to teach. I would much rather be give them some instruction and then let's go do it. If I, if I have a student who already has a dream of doing something, I want to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stick Mm -hmm. them in a chair for seven hours Mm -hmm. for what? Because when they leave, what are they going to know? You know what they're going to know? They're going to know that. They learn how to communicate for, with their teacher. They're going to learn how to meditate. How dare, are they going to calm themselves down? How are they going to be able to be mindful? This is all of the things that they're going to walk away with. Not to mention the writing ability because I'm good at that. <laughs> but ultimately, whether you have an IEP or not, once you leave school, they just you, you're on your own. Yeah. What do you know? Well, do you think knowing that Athens, Greece was around this amount of time, is that going to get you a job? Is that going to feed you? No. What they need to know are skills. They need to know how to get food. They need to know how to build, create, do, use this brain that they have. Because what's going to happen, like you said, they're going to quit school. They're going to go get a job because what's important is taking care of the family. Okay, taking care of the family, making the money. Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, that money runs out. Then what? They don't have the training. They don't have the skills. Mm -hmm. Okay, it takes money to make money. If you don't know how to measure and you've never done it. If you don't know how to pour concrete, you don't know how to mix anything. You don't know how to cook because nobody ever showed you how to cook. You don't know how to sew. Oh, well, they took that out. We don't sew anymore. We don't do you know, proper health, let's teach you first aid and stuff like that. You know, they, t- they took it all out of schools. And Why so they-
0: many of those life skills are actually in the standards. If you just taught them these basic life skills on how to survive as an adult, you would probably actually cover the majority of the standards, but we're not allowed to do that. I remember the mm-hmm. first year I tanked my um, teacher evaluation because I did an escape room that day. We, we had three different observation times. One was scheduled. One was a random pop-in time. And then the other one was like our end of the year observation with like the principal kind of thing. And my pop-in one, she happened to pop in the day that I was doing an escape room. Well, because I did not follow the rubric and say, students, today we will be learning your Greek and Latin roots. <laughs> and then I didn't, Go through an introduction of the Greek, you know, like I didn't go step by step with a worksheet and with a reading text. We used the Greek and Latin roots we'd been learning to open up treasure chests, and it led to a different clue. And then you had to like sort out which Greek and Latin root works to get the, you know, code and all of these things. Yeah, because it wasn't a worksheet though, I got a one on every single category of my evaluation. And she said, I want to be fair to you and maybe come back on a day when you're doing normal teaching.
1: See, hey, This is why this I'll <laughs> never forget. I scored really high and, and, and all the IQ tests and all the, the SATs and all that stuff. I was done school by my sophomore year. I was like, this is some bullshit. I'll never forget the day. My social studies teacher had us all take an article of the newspaper and write a paragraph about it. And that was it. We didn't talk about it. We never discussed anything that was going on. We had no idea what we we're doing. And it's just crazy to me that we're in this position now. I think it's nuts that there's like no home ec- and like not. You no ec- scored a five out of five on every category of that
0: rubric though. Yeah.
1: And that's, what's insane though. And that's the schools. And, and you guys have talked to me about IEPs. Like the more IEPs the school has, the more money they get too. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's maddening to me the way that it's done because it's only hurting the kids. And when it hurts the kids, it hurts the parents. It hurts everyone. We can't, we can't get out of this cycle. Anyway, so we're going to get out of the cycle, you guys. We've got the power to do it. Maggie's a boss-ass <laughs> meditator. I don't know if you know that sound healer teacher. We've got Sammy doing all the stuff as we're working on some things here that we're going to be unveiling soon in, in the community. Like I'm over it. We're over it. It's time. So if you're interested in, in joining us or helping out or finding out more, connect with us, Um, we meet for a healing circle in the Indianapolis area, like once a month, we try, um, usually it's somewhere outside of Indianapolis. So you may have to drive a little bit, but that's okay. (laughs) Man, I'm like ready to start zooms and stuff. Like we have the power to do this. We have, we have, and you know what? And at the end of the day, that mindfulness, that meditation, it does increase the test scores. And so when they start seeing it, they'll start implementing it because if that's, we have to play within the rules, right? So in the rules is create better test scores. okay. We can do that. Mm-hmm. I could talk about this all day because I having happy children is everything in my world. And happy dogs, cats, they don't care about me so <laughs> <laughs> They're like friends they're like born they're like born ready're born adults.
2: I, I, could, I could go on and on about this. I would say that anybody listening to this and, and concerned about our education is you need to get involved. You need to get involved. You have a voice, and especially if you have a student that's in public schools, that is federally, you know, taxes. You have a right to be able to find out where the money for IEP IEP money is spent, and you can see, you know, where money is going. Are they building a new football field, or are they actually taking care of our students? Are they taking care of the teachers? So if you have a question about IEPs, you need to be checking that out. Second thing I would say is, is for those of you who do have a child that has an IEP, please, please, please don't just rely on that IEP. My own child has an IEP and she taught me one time, she went to go take her driver's ed test. She has in her IEP certain amount of time, certain quietness, certain this, certain that. She goes in to take her driver's test and she doesn't have those same accommodations. Your child is going to have to figure it out because once you leave school, there's nobody to support them. Mm -hmm. It is the real life. It is the real world, I should say. Sometimes, you know, it's great with these accommodations, but you know what? We also need to teach them what happens when they get out in the real world. Mm -hmm. How can we do that? What does that look like?
0: And I can tell you firsthand, if, su- if an initiative happens at school, it is almost, I would say, 95% of the time, not the teacher who's bringing the initiative to the district. They are being forced to carry it out by a principal, by a superintendent, by a board. So if you don't like it, the best thing you can do, because teachers' hands are tied, we have to do it regardless of if we want to or not, agree with it or not, um, so the best thing you can do is complain or threaten to sue yep. or go to a board meeting and speak out. it. Like, I'm not joking. Like that's the only time when they really make change and they stop doing the harmful things to kids is when parents speak about it because they don't want to deal with a lawsuit. They don't want to deal with picketing. They don't want to deal with all of that. They don't care about the teachers. They don't care if we say a million and 72 times it's not working. We used to have a parent when I worked in Champaign-Urbana who was a former teacher And we had a lot of kids that should never have been in full day school. Like these were kids with severe disabilities that by the end of a seven hour day were completely shot and were having meltdowns and, and, and trying to run from school. I mean, you know, it's, it was horrible for them. And it wasn't until this mom said, I don't feel like my child's safe with these other kids and we're going to sue, which she did feel safe. She knew that the kids were just reacting this way for a particular reason, but you know, she used that. And then all of a sudden these other children had these special programs that they got to go to every day that actually benefited them. So Mm -hmm. if you're a parent, do use that voice because they really only care about what parents are saying or how they're organizing. And I'll also tell you, my husband (laughs) in a rage, my last year teaching, um, had to take this computer programming class Um, Where he had to compile a giant list of data. And then he had to look at all of that data. And he had just come from a board meeting with me that I had gone to when I was a teacher, because it was right when all of the teachers marches were happening that year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he came home and he was enraged. And he was like, what even are they spending their money on? Because I worked at a school that had four schools. Literally, we had a we had a K through two building, a three through five building, a six through eight building in a high school, four schools. We had 12 administrators. We had a superintendent and 11 like uh, what are they called? Assistant superintendents, Wh- whatever they're called, um, of these different categories. Right. Lackeys lackeys yeah people that <laughs> and it was very clear I walked in one time and they were all chatting about how their kids used to be on the same golf team together and how cute and blah blah and it was literally just the superintendent's friends he hired and he was paying them like 120k a year to each of them to do that job while the teachers were making 46k at the most. Um, Unless they were grandfathered into a different contract and then we're making a lot more than that. So he's refusing to give races and all these things. So James in a rage, he's like, I'm going to look all this up and see. And as it turns out, the majority of Indiana, at least, because he only did, he looked at every single, because all all of the money for schools is public record. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of their financial plans are public record. So he plugged this all into like this giant algorithm as he does as a theoretical molecular physicist, right? He's a crazy math person. So he plugs it in this whole formula. He finds out that the majority of school funding goes to administrators and sports. So it's not just a joke, guys. (laughs) At least in Indiana, that is where all that is where the predominant amount of the money that is that your tax dollars or the IEP money they get for those IEPs, they're being funneled into the administrative or sports. You should get an updated data analysis and post it all over the place. That would be great. I honestly
1: think if people really knew, it would be like because we just don't know right we just assume that our friends and neighbors have their our best interests in mind and most of the time they do but there are some who do not and then they hire all their friends
0: and we're coming for you kittens and no one really votes in a in a local election so those superintendents can just pass whoever they want I'll never forget
1: a couple years ago when there was a teacher running for the board and I was like yes teacher on board yes Teacher will not allow board members to do dumb things. She doesn't. She's boss yeah. because she she knows. She knows the the BS that they tried to do to squish 36 kids right after COVID in a class where you couldn't even walk down an aisle and be like, well, that's okay. And she was like, that's not okay. It's not <laughs> safe at all,
2: regardless of what you think. That's a what nightmare. You that's saying. what that is.
1: On a regular sunny day, 36 children in a room is like, what I want, what my true wish is, is that we put 36 children in a room with the board members and then close the door. And it's like.
2: (laughs) It will last two seconds.
0: I loved one time, my favorite thing in the world was that one of the older teachers that I worked with my last year, she said, every single adult should have to come in and try to teach one day in a classroom. And then they can go vote on the issues of education. I say that all the time about hospitality. Everybody should serve or host or wash
1: dishes or cook or bartend for one day. Mm-hmm. You'd be a lot of different human being, my friend.
2: Yeah, I got a true one for you here. We just um, got to switch in our um, superintendent or administration. We got a whole new administration, and come to find out, last year we had no monies to do anything. We uh, we have buildings that need to be taken care of. We had no monies. We we could not, we could not pay our teachers. You know we're we're a small community. We don't have enough. We're you know we're we're lucky to have what what we have. Well, this yeah. new guy comes in. He brings in a financial guy. Guess what they had in the rainy day fund? Three million dollars. Holy toasted pine nuts! How? Three million dollars. How do they not know they have that money? How? 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 They found it. They found it and next thing you know, this year we got a raise and it was, it was a, and they made it so that we got a raise for this year, but they made it so that each year we get an increase in our raises for the next like six years. So they have, yeah, $3 million, but we didn't have any money.
1: We're taking over kittens. <laughs> the people are taking over. I don't know what to tell you about this, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. No more of this. No more. It's this is our lives, our children's lives, our communities. Like one day I'm going to be an elderly. I want my children to know how to like do stuff. I know the people who are older now and they're like, they're spending all of their money in these nursing homes and stuff where it's like 8,000.
0: Who's taking care of you? Yeah. Instead of complaining about kids these days and how they don't know how to do anything. How about you volunteer and try to help them figure it out.
1: And if that's not your jam find a way
2: connect Mm -hmm. people
1: like we're not all meant to go in and teach children I get it it's not easy
2: write a check right
1: (laughs) fundraising bake cookies whatever like bring Mm. supplies like there's so many things I know I know most teachers spend most of their salaries on supplies and I'm not talking about like inner city schools I'm talking about like suburban schools too
2: it's not Mm -hmm. right I roughly every year I roughly spend well it's higher this year but I roughly spend $250 a year. Easy. Yeah.
0: I spend thousands of dollars. I used to.
1: I know. I think your <laughs> last year of teaching, you spent
0: like what, like $5,000, Sammy, or something? It was so much. James was paying for part of the supplies that I needed for my kids that last year. He was like, wow, I, I always had a second job that paid for my teaching job all throughout my teaching years. Wow, well, <laughs>
2: Sammy. I thought I was bad.
1: Now we're changing it. It's changing. It's we're starting small. Y'all want to come along for the ride? Do it. Find us. We're gonna be in schools. We're gonna be in community centers. Like we're gonna hook up with people who already there's already people out there doing it. Send them to us. Help out. It's time to connect the tribe. It's time to help the collective. And individually, it helps yourself because the smarter and more knowledge is available to our society as a whole, we're better off. Because let's just say the world ends. Do you know how to can? Do you do you know how to sew? Do you know how to grow anything?
2: You know why I know all those things? It's because my parents taught me. Mm-hmm. Yes, Somebody, and, and it's not these people's fault if nobody's there to teach them. Exactly. And that's what we need to do. It's We need to teach people how to do this. And the old ways are falling apart. They're Mm -hmm. falling away. And here's the thing. You want to look at all this, you know, let's pay people to stay home because we want to have you hooked to the federal government and then we want to control everything. Yeah, that makes sense. We want to keep you dumb. We want to keep you dumb because we want to control everything. If you actually have a brain in your head, then you can actually tell us yes or no. But you know what? You can stay home and make those big bucks. Don't go out and get a job. Don't be independent because, you know, for goodness sakes, we're, we're going to pay you to stay home and eat potato chips and watch TV and be in your pajamas.
1: No, and I'm okay with them paying, staying at home. And while we're doing that, we're growing food and raising chickens and <laughs> um, maintaining the forest and... I mean, for you, I'd be like sending my children for singing bowl lessons, and, <laughs> you know, when someone else is teaching piano lessons and they're getting together for, you know, sports and whatever, like we are totally capable of whatever is thrown at us that we
2: can work around
1: it. There's something Sammy said to me today when we were taught, we sat for our tutor meeting, you know, and it just, it broke me in a way. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be passionate about this is that. The way that they're tested, they care more about how fast a child reads than how well they comprehend because it's easier to collect the data and grade it. And that's when I broke. I was like, "Oh no, oh no, 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 no!" You know, and it was such a poignant thing. Like, do you, and ask yourself as an adult: Do you remember what you read? Can you comprehend what you read? Have you read a book? I mean, it really is like, what what are we doing with our own education on top of that? And I think that's why we're so passionate about this overall, because
0: we never stop learning. We're forever students. Anyway. Can you find credible sources? Do you know how to discern that? Don't just take our word for it, right? Mm -hmm. Don't take anyone's word for anything. Are you able to go and find 12 different articles with 12 different opinions and suss out what's true for for your reality? Yeah. everything. Yeah, that comprehension piece is the first, you know, the first way to take down a country is to ruin its educational system. Mm
2: -hmm. That's step one. Because knowledge is power.
0: Guys, this episode was a little bit more preachy. (laughs) I apologize for that. I'd really love to have Maggie if she's willing to come back on for another episode when we dive deeper. Part two. Absolutely. Yeah. Education <laughs> bashing parts, not bashing, but education <laughs> restructuring episode part two. I uh I just I thank all of you for sticking with us and listening to it. If you're passionate about this, you can find us at PaloustianLife.com. You can find us on Facebook at Paloustian Life and say Unistay Global and say Unistay Soul Tribe. Um, it takes all of us you guys everybody with every different piece of knowledge we're all a beautiful piece of thread and a beautiful giant tapestry of knowledge Um, and the soul tribe will thrive we will make sure of it so thank you so much for tuning in everyone remember you are powerful thank you so much for tuning in everybody and we'll catch you next week bye